0: For those of you who have lost money, like millions overnight. For those of you who are or have been in personal debt. For those of you who have been at rock bottom ready to give up. Get ready because it's going to get a whole lot worse. And that's a great thing. This is Below Zero to Hero, a brain dump by The Fail Coach, helping entrepreneurs develop a healthy relationship with failure. Look, failure can't be feared. It's the number one killer of creativity, ideas, dreams, and even entrepreneurs themselves. And it's thought will never get in your way again. With the right mindset, failure can be step one into a new journey of being a better leader, having better balance, better relationships, and most importantly, success. So bring it on. This is Below Zero to Hero with The Fail Coach. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Braindumb by the Fail Coach. We're doing another interview. Today, we're talking about sales, and I have Ryan Schutt here with me. Um, Ryan, uh, I would love to first welcome you to the show and uh, kindly ask you if you can quickly introduce yourself uh, to the audience.
1: Sure thing. Hey, uh, my name's Ryan Shute. I'm with uh, a company called Wizard of Ads, and uh, I'm, the, I'm the guy that does the sales side of Wizard of Ads stuff. I've been all around the world doing this for a number of years, uh, four different continents, eight different com- uh, countries, and uh, helping thousands and thousands of, of people uh, build and fix their uh, selling systems.
0: So you are the wizard of sale? That's what they call me, yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you have a magic wand as well?
1: So I do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> is is it like in Harry Potter where uh what's what's his name? Uh, Mr. Ollivander I think, yes. uh when he says uh the, the the wizard doesn't pick the one, the one picks the wizard. <laughs>
1: It's, it's a true story, you know, it's uh, one of the funny, <laughs> things, funny things about the Wizard of Ads is you can't, you can't apply to be a Wizard of Ads, you, uh, you get asked by Roy H. Williams himself, and it's, it's a bit of the, of the same kind of thing, you know, uh, uh, they saw something in us and
0: wanted to uh, add that to the repertoire. Nice, nice. Um, well, um, Ryan, wh- where should we start? So, I explained to you earlier that the audience uh, that listens to this podcast Mm -hmm. is fairly new to entrepreneurship they are probably in the earlier stages i know that you usually help multi-million companies uh, or companies that are already doing eight nine figures and then you take them to billions and, and so on so um but how can we how can we um do an introduction to sales and maybe sales foundations because i know that Um, When I'm talking to new entrepreneurs, one thing that they're almost always most afraid of is the sales part because Mm -hmm. uh, they don't want to be that uh, insurance salesman or, or, you know, pushy and and most don't like that kind of sales. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I'll let you um, have the floor and and give us a little bit of an introduction into sales and... uh, how can we make it not scary
1: yeah absolutely you know uh i i'm i'm a big uh, believer in in selling without being salesy and um people like landon porter and his group and and uh, other organizations that really do support the whole idea of um not not having to be that real used car salesman um pushy obnoxious hard to to deal with uh, incessant incessantly high pressure um, I am not of that, of that mind at all. I've worked with pretty much any kind of salesperson you could ever imagine, uh, working with. And listen, I, I think the real success from these guys comes from the people who, uh, who can go home and sleep at night, who uh, do best for their customers, who act in a, in a trustworthy manner, who, who are grateful and who are really just there to help people win. And that really forms the foundation of what I believe is as core values of being successful. Um, and that 's that 's really what I kind of want to put out there to to anybody who 's starting a new business who 's looking at sales and hey is this it 's not just about producing the thing that you 're selling it 's also about uh, selling it and and most people don 't have a sales plan put together um, to to sell their thing they just kind of it 's like the field of dream strategy where you build it and they 'll come and that 's just not the case you got to get out there and really work it um, get people to know trust, and like you and uh when you have that you're gonna you're gonna sell stuff right i mean you just you just gotta be willing to stick it out
0: well i remember when you and i we did linkedin live together as well Mm -hmm. and i remember you mentioning something that i really enjoyed which was that marketing and and sales are really just one long process i think so many people want to divide marketing into its own category, sales into its own. Mm -hmm. But then you just have problems because marketing will always look to spend as little money and let the sales guys do the rest. And salespeople would love marketing to do almost all the job before they take over and just close the sale. Mm -hmm. Um, so I know that you kind of put that into a one process, um, so maybe if you walk us a little bit through that, I mean, let's, let's imagine that, I don't know, let's say I'm an online entrepreneur um, and I just recently started. So, you know, maybe I get, I have a few clients because of uh, I reached out to my network and I got a few clients and now I'm like, okay. The corona thing and all of that this was just my side hustle i want to transform this into a a, a business um so how would you start with the marketing and sales
1: uh, you know it's it's interesting in in startups marketing sales are are fundamentally the same person often and and, and very much the same thing and and we lose sight of that when we start to get larger organizations and we start to breaking out these, these silos of marketing and sales departments and the larger the corporation, it seems the, 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 the bigger, the disconnect. And it really does boil down to a, um, a definition of terms, right. And, and agreeing that certain things mean certain, uh, things so that we can, we can move forward with, with what it is that we're trying to do. But there's when i 'm working with with businesses i 'm looking at seven key factors so the very first thing i 'm looking at is what 's the message that 's bringing the customer in what 's the message that we believe in and buy into and and stand for that uh, translates into our sales process and when we have this sales process going, is it consistent with the message that got the customer there in the first place so um, aligning your message when you're, when you're starting out is really, really key in making sure that you're, you're talking about the things that the customer cares about. And the customer doesn't care about your product. The customer doesn't care about your service. The customer cares about what pain you're uh, um, eliminating. They care about um, how they can improve their situation or solve a problem. And that's really what you need to speak to. Don't speak about yourself and your things. Speak about the customer and their things that's really what the fundamental foundation of messaging and sales uh, process really kind of lead to.
0: Ryan, um, if, I don't know, if something comes to your mind, but would you, would you mind maybe trying to uh, give us an example, you know, of, of those steps um, and walk us through those seven steps with, with some real life examples uh, so that it might be easier for, listeners to understand what you are describing with those seven steps
1: well like i say i'm i'm not i'm not a person who spends a lot of time in the startup space my my uh, time is spent with established companies who already have some of these things that in existence but when you're a startup you're pretty you're running pretty small your leadership and your culture are going to be you they're going to be the person that's actually running it and the messaging and sales process are going to be those things that, that you stand for um, and ultimately directly correlate to your leadership and culture. So if I'm looking at a, a small organization, I, I have a, a, a automotive parts company that does specialty uh, um, uh, suspensions, and they're effectively in a, in a startup, uh, late stage startup s- scenario. They really have four people in their entire company. Their, their messaging is really um, about stopping talking about their parts and stop talking about all of the things that um, matter about, um, uh, what's, what's the words, uh, uh, traction and tow and camber and all of these things that are technically factual, you know, the type of metal that they're making things out of. We stopped talking about all of those things and we started talking about the races they went to. We start talking about the tribe that they're a part of, and and the um, the branding that they put on the cars, and how proud they are of that. They the um, installation uh, um, scenarios that they've gone through with uh, uh, Gas Monkey and all kinds of other kind of cool um, installation scenarios, and that's the messaging that I'm talking about. They absolutely adore cars. They absolutely adore racing. They love. The, the space, they love the people, they love absolutely everything about it. And it really does speak that way when they actually just start speaking about the things they care about. They didn't have a sales process. So once we got the messaging down, we really just went to, hey, just give some people a phone call. So we picked the top 100 uh, customers that they're already dealing with. And we, we formed together the same kind of structure. Talked to them about the things that they care about. And really just start figuring out what it is that you need to do to solve their problems and a few key things cropped up for them one was that uh, dead stock was an issue another one was that uh, on-time delivery was a was a concern for their customers and um, being able to effectively cross-sell and upsell their products and they know what all fits together so that they can make the sale easier was the third one and once we identified those three kind of key things the messaging, the sales process all came together quite easily, and we're now building those tools that will help the customer, i.e. the dealers who are selling their products, much easier.
0: Ryan, you know, I talk a lot about processes and systems, and, and so do you. I mean, I guess that one, once you start dealing uh, with business on um, on a level of seven, eight figures, like that's that's kind of the language that you start using because there's so much that you have to do around processes and systems, but you know, maybe people who are in the early stages, um, aren't used to that vocabulary yet. Um, and so how does a typical sales process look like, you know, um, an example of a sales process, because I guess when you say sales process, it almost looks like this a lengthy bureaucratic thing where, um, you know, you did this and that. And so, um, can you walk us a little bit through that?
1: Well, you know, it's sales sales process hasn't changed uh, from one company to uh, another f- forever. Sales process is sales process, and, and and no one's reinventing that wheel. You're not going to skip over steps uh, to to get to your to your sales process. But one of the things that I do speak about are the twelve stages of a loyal uh, customer, and I can I can kind of run through that with you to kind of give you a little bit more. Sure. Um, of what that kind of feels like, um, it's uh, it's based off of the twelve stages of intimacy that uh, Desmond Morris talked about in his book, The Twelve Stages of Intimacy, and it's the, the whole idea of kind of not skipping over steps, and we all kind of go through this this biological and physiological process of of connecting with with mates and partners. Well when we get into the consumer stage, we want to look at the, the similar kind of thing. And those 12 stages start off with identifying. You notice a, a prospect, either virtually or in person, and you make that that connection. Then number two is the first contact. You've made either eye contact or some sort of virtual contact, be it an email or, or even a, a, uh, an online uh, messenger. Uh, the whole point at that point is that it's reciprocal it's it, that, that there's a back and forth going on not just a one way you pushing out to the to the customer that, then there's a connection you you've had some mutually beneficial exchange of information there's there's something there and, and you can feel that you know that that's happening Th- then we call stage number 4 shaking hands and that's where you find your your first common ground and that you m- mutually agree and you have some rapport you you've got the no like and trust in place Right. You haven't made anything weird because you haven't skipped over any of the new steps, and you've you've been socially attuned to, to the people so that you've got this real understanding that you've got a connection there. You can feel it. Then then number five goes into purchase. It's the actual first purchase that the customer makes and 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 uh, the first sale that you make. Then you have to deliver that. You have to deliver what's promised. Where the step gets a little bit interesting is in number seven the delight step, and most people don't understand what delight is, and that's delivering something that you didn't promise. It's about surprising the customer with something that you've held back and made very, very special. Um, they don't know about it, you do, but just like a magician, they know what the trick is, but they, they, they've uh, still done the trick for you because the delight is that component, that element of surprise that really brings up, and that's what ignites loyalty. Then we go into follow up at number eight, and and uh, you're intentionally staying in touch with the customer, but without any selling intention. It's not about you selling them their next thing. It's just about you staying in touch. Then nine goes to the support, and you find the opportunity to deliver unrelated value um, when the opportunity arises. You know, hey, I was just thinking about you, John, the other day, and I wanted to connect you with Sally. She's in the same space as you, and I thought you two might uh, have something in common or be able to share something. Uh, and and that's, that's as simple as support. Then 10 goes into referral and you, your customer refers family and friends without you having to prompt them or pay them. They're referring you because they think you're awesome. 11 is validate. And you validate that, that transaction, particularly in the referral space, by treating the referral consistent with the experience of your, of your customer, what your customer had. Number 12 is, is the repurchase and that's where we restart the cycle again um, where they've, they've made that purchase a second time because I think you're awesome, right? Now you have to go back to, to uh, restarting that whole process again at, at number 5, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 and just keep cycling it in on itself. Nobody wants to be sold, right? But everyone wants to buy and we need to create an environment where we're making it easier for people to buy. If you do that with your business, you're winning.
0: One thing that um pops into my head is um and I think this is now in the um because the times are a little bit more challenging right now, um even more people try to aim for the quick kill and um, they just straight up add you, bam, next thing message, hey buy my shit. Um and you know, it doesn't work. We all know it doesn't work. We hate it when, when we are on the receiving side. Mm-hmm. But then so many people, when they are in the role of selling something, they just go for it, and they just go for the numbers, the quantity versus the quality. And I would love to stay there a little bit with you, because you know you, you, you love that non-salesy way, and by the way, um, I didn't have land on yet. Here on the podcast, but um, uh, we did a LinkedIn Live quite a few months ago. But mm-hmm. I have scheduled with him um, podcast episodes. So um, because you know you mentioned him, uh, so he will be um, in one of the future uh, interview uh, people who I interview on this podcast. But okay, back to that. So you you you've emphasized a few times relationship building, um, not moving too fast, so can, can you talk us a little bit more about this whole relationship, messaging? We obviously will be doing more communication online, at least for, I don't know, the next few weeks or months or who knows how long, or maybe forever. And I think when it comes to in-person communication, so uh, offline, we as human beings are more um, mindful how we do that. And mm-hmm. we don't do things so quickly, so rapidly, mm-hmm. but then I guess, I don't know, the online world and, and that distance between us, that human distance, um, mm-hmm. get us to do crazy, crazy stuff like adding people and then bam, messaging them, buy my stuff and making it all about themselves. and. I created this, I did this, my purpose is this, um, where I really don't give a damn about what, like you said, we don't care what's your, it has to be about me, the client, not about you, the seller, but um, yeah, I'm I'm rambling already, so I'll let you take the the stage, but I would love to stay at, at this part a little bit because I think it's so important and you already pointed out a few very important things.
1: I think, I think, you know, from what I'm taking from, from what you're asking is things get weird when you start skipping steps, right? So if you jump from number one to number three, without really making that, that, that middle connection, you're going to struggle to, to make a meaningful report. Now let's face it, people are going to buy from you sometimes just because they're going to buy. And often it works just good enough to keep you selling in that way because you think that's the only way to sell. When the reality of it is, is that there's two types of, of strategies you can follow. You can follow the short term strategy and that typically comes with a very, very low margins, high volume. You're going to push out as much as you can for as long as possible. And then people are going to discover you for the turd that you are. And you're ultimately going to go out of business. The second option, and that's the one that most successful businesses follow and every successful business that I've researched and studied from uh, Jim Collins' book and and all of those companies straight through to who you see for uh, superstars today. Be it big, be it small, it doesn't matter. And that's that you're going to play the long game, you're going to not skip steps and you're gonna do the intermediary steps like following up and supporting your clients when it doesn't have any necessary benefit to you. The real benefit is it's a whole heck of a lot easier to sell that customer the next time because they know, like, and trust you, and you haven't ruined or damaged that relationship along the way. Relationships okay. are just relationships.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. Um, whether it's with your friends, with your loved ones, in business, yeah. relationship <laughs> is a relationship. But Ryan, you know, maybe well, I'm, I'm going to try to re re. Uh, reform my question um i i believe that a lot of people um either they take the very short route the quick way numbers game or maybe they take the too long route mm-hmm. um, and and you know when they do the too long it, it, you know almost like when a guy meets a lady and then you know uh, if you are if you don't step up the game um, you end up in the friend zone and then there's no escape from the friend zone or it's very <laughs> you know hard. What?
1: You, you got to ask somebody to buy because if you don't ask them to buy, you never sell them anything. You're hundred percent
0: right. Yeah. So I I'm guess, I, I guess what I'm trying to ask is, is, you know, if you can help us a little bit, understand how to bridge, how to find that balance mm-hmm. between being too pushy, too quick, skipping the steps and getting yourself into the friend zone where maybe, I don't know, you're giving too much for free and that other person doesn't have any uh, need to buy anything from you because you 're already giving it away mm-hmm. um, or or you know you get into that friend zone where you are afraid to ask even you know because oh that 's my friend because we 've communicated so how not to get trapped in in either doing <laughs> the too quick or making it too long and never getting to the point of asking for a sale
1: hundred percent you, you got to know your end game listen at the at the end of the day people you're 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 there to sell something and and we don't want to mistake relational selling with being in a relationship with somebody or being their friend. You can be friendly but you're 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 not necessarily their friend and if they are your friend you shouldn't necessarily be even considering selling to them because of the conflict of interest. There's plenty of fish out in the sea and and, and there's certainly lots of people to sell to. So um, you know to to speak of it from the, the standpoint of pushy versus persistence. There's, there's a fundamental difference between persistence and pressure. Pressure is asking the customer to, to buy something from you incessantly over and over again without changing your tactic. right? It's always the same thing. It starts too soon. You go in there, you go strong and you don't give up. You're unrelenting and it's all about you and your sale and about you and your, your making your money and not about the customer and fulfilling their needs. Persistence is asking for the sale consistently over and over and over again because you have earned the right to ask for that sale. The big thing is is that we want to find a, an opportunity to do what's right for the customer. So if we start things right, any small business, any startup, every organization, the research that I've done over the last three years has taught me this one thing. If you're operating from three core values, one, helping people win, Two, being trustworthy. And three, living gratefully. And there's lots of context around those three things. But those fundamental three things are going to help you make the decisions you need to make to be persistent with your customer and not pushy.
0: Okay. Okay. I understood. Um, Another thing that I caught in there while you were explaining things, I'm a huge, huge fan of the word trust and of course not just the work but the building the trust nurturing the trust maintaining and doing your best not to lose it um i even go as far as saying that trust is the most important leverage you'll ever have in your business i call trust the 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 most valuable currency out there more valuable than solid gold um and I I actually have a program that's called the leverage of trust where I teach people how to um, create it and then nurture it and and not lose it. Um, But you mentioned trust a few times. Um, Well, the no like trust journey, but then, you know, you've said a few times trust uh, and and build a trust and so on. So tell us how you see trust. Um, What trust means to you? Um, How do Maybe you, how do you um, get people to trust you, and how do you then maintain that trust?
1: Absolutely. So, when I think of trust, I think of the things that you believe in and the things that you stand for, and 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 staking your your claim in the ground. Those are the that's the hill that you're going to die on. You can be uh, you you'll you'll demonstrate your trustworthiness by staking your claim by saying what it is you believe in and what you don't believe in, by saying what you stand for and what you don't stand for, be it in business or be it personally, this is the foundation of trust when you actually hold your ground on something, right? And it does come down to communication, there's no question about it. But uh, trust is a very, very tenuous thing and that's definitely one of the, the, the three major core values that has to play uh, in your business if you're going to be successful. And that, that boils down differently for every organization. And as your organization evolves and changes and grows, right? when you have a small organization of one, two, three, four people, it's a whole lot different than when you have 40, 50, or 100 people and you're still trying to, to demonstrate that level of trust. The big things to consider are for trust, in my opinion, are what you're doing to demonstrate trust before the sale happens, right? Almost every situation where I do a sales uncovering and we dig into the situation and ask the question about trust. What are the things that you're doing to show your customer that you're trustworthy? And almost exclusively those things are demonstrated after the sale is done, right? All kinds of things to to demonstrate that you're gonna deliver what you're gonna deliver. But very little is happening during or before the sale, be it in marketing or in the sales process. And it's important to be able to demonstrate those things. One of the things that I do, for example, in my options review is I give a customer a choice of three different scenarios, depending on the uh, thing that they're looking to purchase. And from those three different things, I will, uh, in some cases, be inclined to take away one of the three options that is a suitable option, but maybe a bit excessive um, and Ultimately, I'm doing that, uh, it's what I call unselling, and I'm doing that to demonstrate trust, that you don't need to spend the money on this, this other item or this other item that are less expensive will do the job, here's what's different, and let the customer decide. Now, in a small percentage of cases, those customers are gonna buy the most top of the line thing, but in a lot of cases, they're going to feel as though you're
0: aligning yourself with their best interest, and that's a demonstration of trust. But Ryan one i mean in in especially in the um, SaaS space so service as no what, what, what's that uh,
1: software as a service yeah sorry
0: software, software as a service yeah i um, so what they usually do you have the basic plan, the pro plan and whatever, team, enterprise, even though they clearly market to small businesses, they usually have an enterprise plan. And often you'll see that the middle one is kind of like the recommended one. Mm -hmm. And what they usually do, I mean, and i worked with a lot of startups, so I know what was the thinking behind it in, in their sales strategy was to, let's create something, an offer, that is so crazy big that whatever we put in the pro plan, which we actually want to sell, um, makes so much more sense and we can justify the high price behind that one. I mean, the same strategy is also used a lot in how restaurants create the menu. Now at the top, they will start with, you know, I don't know, some, um, I don't know, lobster with, I don't know what. They Often, they don't even have that um in stock because they know that they won't sell it but they just price it at you know 150 bucks and then everything that you see below which is usually higher than uh in some other restaurants Mm -hmm. um but they get by because they pre-frame you with the high offer so Mm -hmm. is that the strategy you're using
1: um i'll say yes and no (laughs) There's, there's a difference between a, a, a value proposition and a, a strategy in which you're trying to uh, manipulate or, or uh, influence the, the customer in some sort of disingenuous way. What I'm talking about is providing three genuine options with three genuine uh, value stacks that have three genuine um, values related to them. Let's face it, if we look at uh, an HVAC uh, company or we look at a uh, furniture store, we look at uh, an automobile uh, uh, company, a, a, a car dealership, every single one of them has a variety of different things that you could choose. And if I built literally just one car, I could, I could build one vehicle uh, deal over one million different ways. So even if I'm providing an option, I'm providing just one of a million different ways that I could build that particular Um, offer out so it's about providing examples so that we can get to arguably a negotiation but very much so a a discussion about the options and and start facilitating a solution that best meets the customer's needs now if you're online it's about doing it in in a genuine authentic way we don't need to complicate the business model by putting in a whole bunch of fluff that doesn't matter what we need to do is deliver extraordinary value for the money Without having to give up the profit margins that you need to be successful in your business.
0: Okay, fair enough. Um, what about? I mean, and I don't know if 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 you have an opinion on this or not, or even you know if if this is something that's within your expertise. Um, it might be more with the wizards of marketing, uh, but let's let's give it a go. So. Another thing that we often see online, and that I see a lot of people now try to use to the point where it's so overused that I don't think it works anymore, is you know how you create a landing page with your offer, and then you try to stack up, um, you know, oh you're getting this, and this is 500 value, and 2,000, and and 3,000, and and 7,000, and then you know the end result is I'm giving you uh one hundred thousand dollars of value for just one simple payment of, I don't know, pick a number, forty-nine dollars uh, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, how, wh- what's your view on that? I mean, if you do have a view.
1: listen, v- value stacking will always be something that that is um, going to be commonplace. That it does play to the human psyche, and and to the consumer behavior. Uh, what people are are. are assessing within that realm is, do I know the person that's trying to sell this to me? Do I like that person? And do I trust that what I'm going to get for that value is going to be there? Again, we don't need to overcomplicate things. It's a no like, trust thing. And really what it boils down to is, have you built that credibility up in your own business? Do they know who you are? Do they trust that what you're going to give them is of value and do they they like you? If they don't, uh, in any of those three questions, um, if your offer is cheap enough, they might see it as a sunk cost and and uh, and, and take it. Um, that doesn't mean that you've won them as a customer. That just means that you sold them something. Uh, uh, true loyal customers and true loyal buying and true long-term uh, 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 customer li- uh, purchase life cycles all are based off of you building up a loyal uh, base of customers that are going to continue buying from you over and over again because you've earned that right, not because you've sold them something cheap?
0: Well, I mean, in all honesty, if I look at my buying behavior, so, you know, there are people online that maybe in the past I actually had respect for and I trusted them and so on. And then when once I saw them using this, I mean, one thing is if you say, I don't know, you know, my program costs, I don't know, 10,000 and i don't know just out of the goodness of my heart i'm discounting it for 20 30% whatever that that's one thing but when they say you know you're getting uh 50,000 of value for for just 100 um for me a lot of the times people who i i had trust for and and i had respect for lost that and i would never buy from them again because for me those are just but again that's my personal opinion just shady sales marketing strategies no i i mean i just wanted to hear you know your opinion um or your expertise on you know um do you advise people to maybe go down that route to try that or not to even try it i was just wondering what your opinion is
1: that's a, great, that's a great question, and, and you know what? The answer is yes, yes, you are going to do value stacking because you need the customers to understand what the thing is actually worth and what it is that you're willing to sell it for based off of the current market conditions. So that's fundamentally what it is. My rule of thumb is you never discount without a reason. If you're discounting for no reason, you're, you're either giving up margin that you don't need to, or you're uh, desperate and probably untrustworthy. The, the example that you gave is a perfect example of that. When you start to show disproportionately high value and, and, and stacking, that's, that devalues the thing that's, that it's worth. When you start looking at how you sell uh, luxury and, and in the luxury business, you don't discount it, you raise the price. You're looking for a walled garden of exclusivity and people want to get into that because they want to be aspirationally associated to that. Whether they're actually associated to that or not is irrelevant in their minds because what they want to be is branded towards that aspirational, expensive thing. Um, You want to be in with the cool kids and the cool kids aren't wearing the cheapy stuff. Uh, At the end of the day... You, you have to you have to make that decision and there's no set answer it depends on what you're selling and what your strategy is um, if your strategy is short term uh, i'm never going to do any work for you right if your, your strategy is long term and it's looking to grow by multiples not by fractions that's that's where i'm going to be able to most successfully steer those types of organizations because i want my brand associated with companies that are helping people win building being trustworthy and living gratefully
0: yeah no i i absolutely agree i, I like the, the what you mentioned and maybe i can give a nice little example so um a few years ago i was helping a friend and he had this small um shoe shop um like a brick and mortar shop mm-hmm. and um then he decided to move his shop, not create another one, but move the existing one into a shopping mall. And you know, you have to move all the shoes and this and that. And so he said, you know, I'm I'm offering, I think it was like 60 or 70 off. Um because we are moving in, in, in two weeks and we want to carry as little of the inventory there. And so it's so he explained why he's giving such a huge discount and people really took it well uh when when you don't have that explanation or you don't see why like you know people selling digital products um where it's not i don't know so i'm selling a group coaching that starts on this day um and everybody needs to start at the same moment like that's understandable why you say two more days at this price or whatever uh, but when you're selling a an evergreen thing uh, that that doesn't have any expirational date, and then using um like oh, uh just two more days and then what like um i i I mean what I'm trying to say is uh, I'm just um trying to maybe give an example of the strategies that you mentioned. So one thing is if there is a reason. If, if there is something you can explain and it actually makes sense that will only increase the trust whether you go up and down with the price but then when you use things where you know your mind's like like why what's the difference if it's today or tomorrow um that can then lose trust so it's the little things but they they, they that can matter a lot
1: you know what a lot of, a lot of companies think that discounting is the thing that matters and what gets the customer to buy because they've run some sort of causation correlation to it that have absolutely no um, relationship, though they believe that they do. the The long and short of it is, is that if you're simplifying everything and looking at the scenario, and you're talking to customer A, you know John Smith, and you're going to promote to John Smith a one-time introductory offer of X because we want to get you on board and have you experience and, and participate. Um, that's great. But when you start doing a sale every single week, it's no different than the little boy who cried wolf. If you're going to have a sale after sale, after sale, after sale, all you become is background noise, meaningless garbage. Now, eventually you're going to pick up a small percentage of those customers who are just waiting for that next cycle of discounting to be at the lowest that they've ever seen it at. And that's when they'll buy. And all you've done is, 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 uh, directly eroded your margin for absolutely no reason when you could have spent the exact same amount of time, effort, energy, and money and resources to build a relationship with the customers through entertainment, hope, and encouragement, demonstrating that you're the person that they know like and trust the most the the person that you think of first and that you're, you're the company that they're going to purchase from when they're ready to buy. That is going to get you exponentially more money than the incessant discounter uh, ultimately it really it just boils down to um, again that trust thing you're, you're demonstrating how untrustworthy you are. If you keep on telling people that you're having a sale every week.
0: No, yeah, absolutely. Um, maybe one more thing before we wrap this one up. So like I mentioned to you earlier, a lot of people who are listening to this podcast are more in the online, maybe even more online services businesses. Um, and, you know, let, let's let just take a copywriter, for example. I mean, you can go on Fiverr and find a copywriter for five bucks. And I'm sure you can find a copywriters that will offer the same one-page copy for thousands of dollars and everything in between. So it's 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 a bit harder. You know, when you're selling a, a physical good, um, you know, you, you look around, you find some competition, and, and usually you'll find them. Quite similarly priced. So it's a little bit, let's say, easier to price point your, your products and services. So a lot of people, they have problems. How do I price what I'm selling? And then, you know, everybody's saying, oh, you should price based on the value that you're giving. But okay, not everything has material value, not everything can be quantified with money. And so I see that a lot of people. In the online world, a lot of entrepreneurs are struggling on how to price their product.
1: We have some of the, in fact, Roy H. Williams, who's, who's my partner, is the highest paid copywriter in the world uh, by by many, many millions. Uh, ultimately, what it boils down to is the value of your copy is going to be the value of the uh, your Capabilities to to put that copy in into into play in the most effective way. You have to earn that right. Uh, the ma- the majority of the copywriters I work with, and I work with a number of them, and I'm using that as the example as as a, as a jump off from from your comment, was is is that these guys get paid incredibly well because they've they've earned the right by demonstrating the quality of their copy and then associating it with a, a, a tangible return on investment. So. If you want to play in the Fiverr space and, and commoditize your, your, your business, that's, that's really not a problem. You can, you can do that, but you're always going to be doing low margin stuff at, at a high rate to kick out a bunch of, of content. There's a place for that. There are, there's a demand for that. That space is shockingly full. It's going to take a lot of effort and uh, and and um, to, to stand out and be special. Or you can become a copywriter who delivers something significant. Tori Reed is an excellent example of that. Um, she is an extraordinary copywriter. You can tell because she has a bunch of copy out there that you can read and make your own judgments on. And if that's your brand of of awesome, that's the kind of person that you're going to hire. It doesn't matter that she's three to $5,000 for a particular piece, it, because it's going to have a, a set return on investment based off of her tangible examples. We all have to earn our stripes, right? We all have to get our 10,000 hours in to be a master. And ultimately, when you have something of value You should be able to demonstrate that when you can, you can ask more.
0: Okay. Okay. Um, well, Ryan, um, I'm going to go and say thank you for being my guest, but I'm not going to let you go just yet. I'm going to ask you the last question, which is the last golden nugget of wisdom that you would love to share with the audience.
1: The last golden nugget of wisdom. Hmm. Yes. For startup uh, businesses, um, I, I think I, if I'm t- to deliver anything of most value, if you're going to take anything away from this conversation today, is to live and die by the three core values and to develop the things that you believe in and stand for from those three core values. They're the precipice for every good decision ever made um, in your business and moving that business forward successfully. Helping people win being uh, trustworthy and living gratefully are going to be the things that really do help you make the right decisions in your business, even in hard times like this.
0: Awesome. I love it. I love it. Um, Ryan, again, thank you for being my guest. I really appreciate you for, uh, for coming to the show. I appreciate you for sharing all that value with the audience. Um, Now who and, and, and how, should they find you
1: um you, you can find me at ryan shoot.com r-y-a-n-c-h-u-t-e like parachute.com um i'm uh, on linkedin that's where i spend most of my time as far as as far as operations go and and uh, being out there in the social eye um and and i'm more than happy to to connect with people even if you're in the startup space and you want to get a sense of some of those foundational things there's plenty of things i'm, I'm happy to share with you and if you've got a a, a a business that you've had up and running for um, a number of years and you're you're over the three million dollar mark then then i'm i'm definitely uh um in that space to to take a look at your organization and see how we can help grow your business by multiples
0: perfect i'll include your links in in the show notes as well so um listeners if you want to reach out to ryan Just look at the show notes. You'll have links there and you can reach out to him. Again, Ryan, thank you for being my guest. Um, Stay safe, stay healthy. Uh, I wish you all the best on your journey and to navigate through these crazy times as best as possible. And uh, yeah, have fun doing that.
1: Thank you so much, Mia.